0: And now, the best of Pete Price, the best of Pete Price, on Radio City 96.7 and City Talk 105.9.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, let's cross uh, the pond, as we say, and we're going to speak now to a very interesting man called Robert V. Taylor, who's got a book called A New Way... To Be, Seven Spiritual Pathways to Becoming Fully Alive, which I think, I love the title. And good, uh, good evening, Robert.
0: Well, good evening. It's wonderful to be with you, Peter. Thank you.
1: Let's talk about the title first, because it says so much. A New Way to Be Human, Seven Spiritual Pathways to Become Fully Alive. That, 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 that's a book in itself.
0: Well, yes. Uh <laughs> I you know, the, the book Peter comes out of uh, you know, certainly my own uh journey over the decades, but also having worked with thousands and thousands of people over those decades who who have you know had this this yearning for for meaning for purpose and and I think we're we're living in a time uh in the northern hemisphere or certainly in the western world where there's a a great sense of jadedness about life as it is uh, uh, and with that comes a sense of helplessness and despair and I think it's compounded by uh the the breathtaking and i think wonderful changes uh, for the most part that technology are ushering in. Uh, and with that disengagement, I think a lot of people say, "Gee, you know why why should I bother and And the book essentially says, you know it doesn 't have to be so that that your voice and your participation uh, in the world is desperately needed and and it says there is a new way in this time of emergence, this time of of Dramatic transformation to think about what it means to be human with some new lenses, and the book essentially offers seven pathways uh, on that journey, knowing that it is for most of us a lifelong journey there's not going to be one one singular event or moment that will that will shift all of that for us.
1: Robert, what made you uh, feel that you needed to write this book?
0: Well, I think it it came out of really just Working with so many people on on these questions in workshops and seminars and um, uh, my own work as uh, as chair of the Desmond Tutu Peace Foundation, as we you know engage with young people on on how to end conflict around the world uh, as I reflected on the the incredible hopefulness and optimism that existed uh, around president obama 's election in two thousand and eight in the u s and then you know although this was after the book was written uh, the you know the the Arab Spring and the change going on in places like Burma. Um, and when you start to put all of that together with with what technology is doing uh, and and this sort of emergent new consciousness that that we no longer rely as much on the top down power and authority of institutions from you know political to religious to educational that that there is uh, emerging, a new way of connecting as human beings, which is unsettling to the established order. And so uh, rather than just sort of sitting on the sidelines about all of that, the book is, is, uh, it offers people a way to participate in this, this new emergence of our time.
1: Robert, you mentioned Desmond Tutu, and then seeing on the front cover of the book, it says Forward by Desmond Tutu. What's your relationship with him?
0: Well, we've uh, we've known each other. We first met in the late uh, late 70s in South Africa, and then in 1980, when I was uh, uh, about to be imprisoned in South Africa, he arranged for me to to get out of the country, uh, literally within about 10 days. And we've been connected ever since. Uh, and uh, I see him often in South Africa, and uh, I now chair the foundation that bears his name in the U.S. and uh, uh, he's actually going to participate in the Los Angeles book launch of the event on May the 16th. And um, he's been um, uh, initially a mentor and someone who I looked up to as one of those iconic, inspiring figures and, mm. and is now someone who, who is just uh, who I'm privileged to call a friend.
1: Helped you to escape. Was, uh, were you anti-apartheid, was it, in those days?
0: Uh, yes, it was, and uh, I had actually made a decision to uh, to not serve in the uh, South African military. So there were two things going on. I was being followed by the secret police for my anti-apartheid activity, and then my call-up papers were, were coming due. I had had them postponed several times. and. Uh, you didn't really have an option but to go to jail or leave the country or uh, or serve. And I had spent years grappling with that decision and really went to see him to say, this is my decision, uh, and I really just need your prayers and blessings because I'm going to jail. And he said, absolutely not. He said, this is not the time for that kind of action. Uh, He said, I will get you out. He said, you have family in the U.K. I'm going to call there first. Uh, He called me the next day and he said none of my calls to the U.K. were successful. But I've got a friend in in the United States, in New York, who said, um, give us his flight number and we'll meet him. And so, you know, quite by chance, I suppose, I ended up in in America. Um,
1: So you're South African born?
0: Oh, yes, absolutely.
1: I was um, in South Africa when apartheid was on, and I was nearly thrown out of the country, and I was just a visitor. I was appalled, unbelievably appalled at what I saw, the way other human beings could treat other human beings because of the color of their skin.
0: Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, one of the the pathways in the book, Peter, is is about uh, moving beyond enclosures, the, the, the things that, that enclose our life and keep us from being fully human and alive. And, and I use the apartheid uh, uh, analogy as a metaphor in the book uh, in that it was to some degree quite successful in walling people off from one another. Um, and making sure that uh, people of different racial groups didn 't get to know each other as human beings, and obviously it took a great deal of of, of effort and violence and um, degradation and military force and police force to to um, keep that system going but it is a metaphor for for what happens when we when we wall ourselves off or enclose ourselves from uh, from other people and so so part of the the book is is not just about this notion of you know how to be happy uh, and i mean happiness not in the sense of gee if you buy a mini cooper or a prius you're going to be happy but but that that sense of happiness being about your well-being that that when you pursue your own well-being um uh, you are naturally drawn to pursuing the well-being of others and being reminded that that you are a participant in changing the world and that there is this, this wonderful sense of connection that emerges, that, that you're part of, of something much larger than, than just yourself or your own community or your own country, but part of a, a global human family. So, so the book is in many ways um, an invitation to, to be deeply engaged in, in changing and polishing the world as much as yourself.
1: Seven spiritual pathways. Are there more or are these your seven?
0: Of the seven that um, that have emerged for me over the decades, in in certainly in my own journey and working with others, um, and uh, they're they're positioned in the book in such a way that um, that uh, people can dip into them at at any time and uh, revisit them. And there are. Um, exercises for reflection and for discussion at the end of each chapter that I'm starting to learn, uh, book groups and others is, are looking to use. And so, so that's very exciting.
1: I found, I think it was page 64, are you good enough? I thought that was interesting because it's questioning yourself, isn't it?
0: Oh, absolutely. And um, I think many of us live sort of um, uh, within the shroud of, of believing that we're not good enough. Um, all that we're we're not loved unconditionally for who we are and um, and I think that when that happens, um, we live with a very dim view of of our potential and our magnificence and why our voice and our imagination um, uh, are so important uh, to be engaged with uh, so yeah it it's uh, it's a very important piece of the book.
1: I'm talking to uh, Robert V. Taylor. Uh, the book's called A New Way to Be a Human. I- I've got to ask, are you deeply religious?
0: That's a fascinating question, Peter. I, I am religious to the degree that uh, I am a priest in the Anglican uh, Communion. Um, but I would describe myself as, um, firstly, as a spiritual person. Um, and uh, I, I think that certainly we're seeing in, in much of the world today um, increasing numbers of people describing themselves as spiritual uh, out of a sense of, of perhaps frustration and disillusionment about the, the institutional controls of religion um, uh, and, uh, and, and also the institutional uh, battles and in politics that, that seem to suck uh, so much life out of people. that are ultimately about a a life-draining energy rather than a life-giving energy.
1: I, sadly, have lost my religion. I was a head boy for years in um, Church of England, sat there... every Sunday and every wedding and every funeral, and question and question and question. And then when my mother passed away, uh, I took it incredibly badly, and I've lost my religion. And I envy people. I'm a 66-year-old man. So I've started questioning on a regular basis now, and I find as I get older I question, would I find the answers in this book?
0: Oh, I believe you would, yes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, And I believe that uh, you will find in the book... um, uh, some some real encouragement that that spiritual wisdom uh, is revealed in the arc of your own story and your own life. Um, I think so many of us have have heard from religion that you should sort of look out there, whatever the out there is, towards an afterlife, or or look to the the authority of an institution uh, or some spiritual uh, religious leader for uh, or orthodoxy of some kind uh, to provide the answers. And I think. The reality is that, that within each of us, um, spiritual wisdom resides, which is part of why we need one another so desperately and part of why we need connection with one another uh, through our stories and, and, and our life and our work together. Uh, and so, yes, I believe that, um, that, that you will find in the book uh, perhaps some awakening to, to a new understanding of, of, of the spirituality that exists within you, which, which may be very different from any rekindling of religious connection.
1: Everybody that's listening now uh, and are curious about the book, what, what do you want them to take from the book? They pick it up, they read it, they put it down. What do you want them to think?
0: I want them to know that uh, the choices they make uh, matter. Uh, I want them to know that, that their life matters desperately uh, and that their magnificence is to be claimed, their belovedness is to be claimed, uh, but not as a personal treasure for themselves alone, but because of what those things reveal um, about our connection with, with the universe, uh, with creation and with other people. Um, and that in those things, there is the discovery of of new lenses for looking at life. There is um, a new delight in life. And one of the pathways is in fact, it's entitled Holy Surprises, and, and it is about the practice of cultivating delight and uh I begin that pathway with uh with a story about uh, a breakfast that I hosted with uh for desmond tutu and uh and his Holiness the dalai lama to to speak on compassion and We knew that Dalai Lama was going to arrive late at the breakfast, and so tutu and i got got the conversation started in front of the four hundred and fifty guests and In walked the Dalai Lama and he sat down next to Tutu and I was at the podium making some comments and they they you know were were so pleased to see one another and the next thing I knew was I looked over and and the Dalai Lama was poking Tutu with with his left elbow in in the ribs not once but repeatedly and and I was mesmerized by this and the audience was just sort of in rapt attention and Tutu looked at his holiness and said what are you doing and uh the Dalai Lama just laughed and kept poking him, and then he, he pointed at Tutu and he said, You've gotten fat! You've put on weight! <laughs> and, um, the, and with that, they just both collapsed into peals of laughter. It was like being with two little impish school kids. And the audience was completely um, uncertain as to how to respond. It was as though they had hit the pause button. And then finally, as their laughter subsided, Tutu looked at the Dalai Lama and he said, you better start behaving yourself. Start acting like a holy man. <laughs> and, and you know, with that, the, the audience just joined in the laughter. And I tell the story in the book, uh, in this pathway about delight, because, you know, here are these two people who, who are very human, uh, and it's part of what makes them, I think, such holy people and iconic people to many because they know their humanity and they celebrate it. They're, they're not uh, running from it. Um, but, but, here they are, you know, um, used to dealing with very weighty matters of life and death and and uh, their lives have been threatened, and yet they have cultivated uh this marvelous sense of playfulness of joy and delight uh, and so so I hope that that the readers um, your readers, uh, your listeners, as they read the book uh, will discover that that Delight and playfulness are also part of the journey on a new way to becoming human.
1: I love that story, and I'll tell you why I love the story. How dare Desmond Tutu tell him to behave himself? He is outrageous. He is such a fun man. When you (laughs) see him, the way he dresses, he's the way he dances all the time, he laughs, he's... So I just really think we have an expression in England, pot, kettle, black.
0: Well, exactly. I love that expression. But, you know, Peter, I think it's exactly because Tutu is so profoundly yeah. Yeah. aware of who he is and, and his own enjoyment of life um, that he's able to say yeah. something like that to the Dalai Lama.
1: Yeah, that's great. I've got to ask, what was it like being in the presence of the Dalai Lama?
0: well there is um there is an aura about him uh, that is hard to to put into words um, both he and tutu have an aura about them, and the aura is quite different um, there is a, a ser- serenity um about him, not the sort of serenity that you that you might sort of confuse with you know someone who's who's shy or or an extreme introvert, uh, because he's not that. He has this wonderful twinkle in his eye uh, and and a a gentle smile. It radiates compassion and that he's pleased to see you. Um, It's really quite remarkable.
1: How can they find out more about you yourself, Robert V. Taylor?
0: Well there is uh certainly my website which is uh, Vincent, uh taylor t a y l o r um, uh and then uh, obviously uh to google the book a new way to be human uh, uh, with my name alongside it robert v taylor uh, if they if they leave out the V, they'll they'll get pages and pages of references to the uh, B-rated 1950s actor. Ah, right. <laughs> Which is interesting if Terrific you actor. Watch some, you know some mediocre movies, but uh, but it might be frustrating. So so always include the V.
1: <laughs> well, I wish and, you uh, luck with the book. Is there a follow-up?
0: Well, it, there there is a follow-up book in the process. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yes, and uh, I know the book is available in the U.K., and um, uh, there is an opportunity for people to respond to it on the website with uh, comments and stories, and, and I'd love to hear from, from you and your listeners.
1: The book um, is called uh, A New Way to be Human. Your website again, Robert?
0: www.robertvtaylor. Com.
1: Robert, thank you so much for talking to me.
0: Ah, uh, It's my pleasure. Thank you, Peter. Liverpool's biggest after-hours talk show, Late Night City, with Pete Price on Radio City 96.7 and City Talk 105.9.